Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, Today is the 23rd day of November. We are in Thanksgiving week, and we thank you all for just joining us, uh, either on video or our audio version of the Chapter 49 podcast. We are very... um, uh, we just want you to know that there are various ways you can find this. If you like this podcast and want to share it, you can find the audio version on just about any podcast platform and just uh, search under podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. You can find it there. If you want to go to YouTube, go to Duncan Giles and just find the Duncan Giles and you'll find him that has the channel with all the Chapter 49 uh, video podcasts. We've been doing that for several weeks and you can uh, watch the videos there. And speaking of Duncan Giles, he is with us uh, as well. So uh, Duncan Giles, thank you very much for joining us again on this Thanksgiving week. Good to be here, Larry, as always. And uh, yes, we have uh, no shortage of topics. We still don't have that week where we can just say everything is fine and we're going to be back with you next week. <laughs> we're not been very close we'll to that at one all. one of those weeks, but yeah, I haven't hit it yet. No, we haven't uh, come very close at all. Well, for the last several weeks, maybe you can even say months, we have been talking about vaccines and a vaccine mandate, and uh, things are moving along on the vaccine mandate because a deadline was just hit yesterday as far as federal employees are concerned. And uh, there's a lot to be said about this. And I want to start off with a lot of the publicity yesterday, which is the day before the 22nd of November, the day before we record this. Um, there was an Associated Press story and a couple other news outlets that had what are, what's called a news leak. What that means is somebody in the administration wanted to kind of put the trial balloon out there, get a heads up for everybody that later on in the day there would be an announcement about how many federal employees have been vaccinated. They said overall, the civilian workforce has a 90% vaccination rate. That means you're either fully vaccinated with one or two shots or you've had the first of two shots, if it's Moderna or Pfizer. So we're at the 90% level on the entire federal workforce. I think, Duncan, you have some numbers on IRS in particular. Just uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Your reaction to all that data that came out yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I uh, viewed that with... Uh, very, very interested, and it didn't seem to match up with some of the numbers that I've heard. Uh, you know, I'm hearing things like the Customs and Border Protection are close to 97 to 98 percent. IRS is, you know, close to that figure as well, 95, 96 percent. Um, I didn't believe it was that high. Um, you know, TSA, they're saying TSA is you know, almost fully vaccinated because I know that was a big fear for a lot of folks because a lot of holiday travel in the airports. Um, so I, I I hope the numbers are correct that there, some of them were talking about. Um, you know, some of this, I think, also includes um, reasonable accommodations that are in as well. So I think that's uh, playing a factor in uh, some of these numbers, but the over the overall theme that I think uh, is very good is that the vast vast majority of employees are either fully vaccinated, partially vaccinated, or going through the reasonable accommodation process, whether they're IRS or any other uh, federal government agency that's in the executive branch, which I think is a good thing. But we still don't know how many people are. 
um, waiting for their reasonable accommodation request uh, to be adjudicated, at least in the first uh, step. And we still don't uh, don't know for sure how many counseling letters went out. Do you think the, the, the service is going to share that information with NTEU? I would certainly hope so. I think that it would be a good thing to do. Um, you know, I've heard some rumors swirling around numbers that I don't want to get into. Um, I've also heard that some counseling letters went out in error for people that were partially vaccinated or had reasonable accommodation requests still pending and they received them by mistake. But that, to be honest with you, that's to be expected. You're always going to have a certain small percentage of those types of things crop up. It's nothing. I don't think it's anything malicious at all. I think it's just one of those things when you're doing something like this at the speed that it is going, um, that you're going to have those types of errors. But I would certainly hope that the uh, agency would share the information with National NTU on uh, exactly where we are, what's going on, and things of that nature. Because uh, at some point, these uh, reasonable accommodations are going to have to be evaluated. Number one, whether there will be an accommodation or not. And number two, what the accommodation will be in both of those Factors are, are very important for the employees waiting on them. Yeah, yeah. The employees are sitting there going, it'd be kind of nice for me to know since, you know, today is the day that proposed suspension letters of three days are going to uh, could possibly start to go out. So employees with pending accommodations want to know what's going on, how it's going to be handled. Do I need to provide more information? You know, what happens if I don't get the accommodation? Or as you said, And I think this is something that a lot of people who put in for accommodations don't realize. You may get a reasonable accommodation, but the accommodation that the service is offering you or saying, "Okay, we'll give you may not be what you want, but it's going it's going to be what the service deems is reasonable. And that's going to be one of those things where you can either say, "Okay, I do want this reasonable accommodation or this doesn't work for me. If it doesn't work for you, then you're going to be faced with some hard choices. Well, there are a couple of things that we need to, to know. I, I don't think need to know, but we need to let people know, I guess, who are listening and watching this, this podcast. First of all, if you have a reasonable accommodation and, and either it is denied or you receive an accommodation that is not acceptable, what are your appeal rights? Where do you go from there? I mean, we talked about this before, but remind people, since these decisions we think are going to come down reasonably shortly, Absolutely. What I would highly recommend is you can go one of two ways. You can uh, talk to your local chapter for folks in Indiana. They, of course, would contact, um, you know, NTU Chapter 49. For folks outside of Indiana, you would contact your local chapters or you can contact EEO. Um, And we'd be happy to talk to you about either option, and which option might work the best for you. Um, and what grounds you're looking to appeal it on, because that's going to be important as well. So you can either use the uh, union contract or the EEO process, but you have to choose one or the other, and you have to go with that. Whatever choice you make is the cha- that's the path you go on from there on. There's there's no backing and trying something else. I mean, that's either one or the other. I do remember that from my many years ago of being a, a steward, and that has not changed. Now, yeah, that's, you can't swallow them back and forth between the two. Ask yeah. you one or the other. Make your decision, and that's where you're going to be. And uh, yep. anyway, that's so that's that's what you have as far as reasonable accommodation appeals. Now, 
as you mentioned, it appears that people will be getting suspension letters after their counseling letter. We still don't know how many. We think it's in the thousands, but still, most people are vaccinated or in the process of doing that. But for those who have who don't come under that uh, and are receiving what's soon to receive proposed suspensions, I think they're all going to be three days. If you, uh, if I remember what you said, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. You'll have a suspension proposed. And uh, I think I remember what that uh, appeal process is like. But uh, for those who uh, need to know, remind us all about that. Yeah, basically, there are some appeal rights that you can have with a proposed suspension. Um, You do have the right to an oral or written reply. Uh, Now, I can tell you for Chapter 49 and the vast majority of NTU chapters across the country, regardless of what agency you're in, are going to want to talk to you about what grounds you're going to want to fight this on. If you don't have any other additional information, if you have a reasonable accommodation that's denied, or if you simply said, I don't believe in this, I don't think it's legal, um, therefore I didn't put in for an accommodation, I'm not getting vaccinated, um, you know, we, we will talk to you about your options and uh, what we might or might not be able to do for you in a reply. Well, f- what I'm hearing you say is uh, if, if there's not some ex- uh, specific circumstance that uh, you can use under the contract or, or the case law, uh, you're not going to have a successful reply, oral or written. So I think what I'm hearing you say is if you just object to the law, let's say on constitutional grounds, that's probably not going to be grounds that will be successful in an oral or written reply. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That is extremely well put. Yeah, it's amazing how many people um, go from being a research scientist to a constitutional scholar um, on this issue. And it's one of those things that, like I say, for executive branch employees, and that's one of the things that we work hard to differentiate because People say, well, I'm hearing that there are lawsuits succeeding, you know, in different places. Yeah, those are for the OSHA regulations for 100 or more people, not for the executive branch. The law is very clear on what the executive branch is able to do. It's settled case law. And, you know, I I understand that people may be frustrated by it, don't like it. Um, it's, It's sort of like tax law when you're talking to somebody and saying, you know, you can't take this deduction. Well, why not? Well, it's the law. Well, I don't like the law. Well, it's been settled in court cases. This is the same type of thing that uh, that we're having here and just want to make people aware of it. I don't want to give anybody any false expectations. We will do what we can. And we're here to represent employees and to help employees and guide them as best we can. But I don't want to give anybody any false expectations that you know, oh, we'll fight this and we'll win and everything's going to be great and you're going to be fine if you choose not to get vaccinated. At the very least, I would hope that everybody is putting their information into HR Connect because that's a whole nother matter if you're saying, not only am I not going to get vaccinated, but I'm not going to put my information on whether I am or not into HR Connect because that can come up and lead to insubordination, among other things. So you at the very least want to do that. Well, true. And there's one other aspect of this before we move on. Uh, We did have Tony Reardon, our national president, on a little less than two weeks ago on this podcast. 
and he made his case for the fact that he thought federal employees should be handled the same way the private sector OSHA rules are, where if, in fact, you do not wish to get vaccinated, you could be tested once a week and have some other protocols applied. You could still work in the workplace. Uh, that's the private sector rule. He wanted that to also apply to federal employees the way it works now under the executive order, executive branch, federal employees uh, who do not get vaccinated are not uh, given a uh, reasonable accommodation that's acceptable. Uh, they're going to be fired. The suspension letters will come out and there will be a proposed termination coming. He didn't think that was fair, and that's his position. However, I, it's not very, I'm not optimistic on that because as of now, the administration has not responded to President Reardon's proposal. There's always hope out there that perhaps the administration will see it his way. Uh, so far, it's been crickets on that. Yeah, and it's one of those things that we've seen some statements from the administration that um, even with Tony's very well-reasoned argument, which I happen to agree with, because I'm all about treating everybody equally. I don't like disparate treatment. This could be a case, um, you know, that it seems to me to be disparate treatment, not in the legal sense of the word, just in what's doing what's right. You know, does the administration have the right to do it this way? Absolutely. But should they be if private uh, employers and private employees are having a, you know, different set of circumstances where it makes it a little bit easier for them and better for them and more choices? Yes, they, you know, I think it should be the same for everybody as well as President Reardon so eloquently put it in both our podcast and in his letter to the administration. Um, you know, and he's he's one that, and I wholeheartedly agree with this, the whole point of the mandate is not to terminate employees, is not to suspend employees. It's to get as many people um at the very least man uh, vaccinated and if not to try and figure out how to make sure that everybody is uh, going to be able to work safely and you know not not to terminate employees we never want to see we don't want to lose anybody but as of right now the way the circumstances stand um, we are afraid that we will lose some people Okay, that's enough on vaccinations. We've been talking about that. We'll spend about half the podcast on that. It is an important issue, and we do want you to know the most uh, solid information that we have at the time we record this. Let's move on to a nicer sort of subject, which would be <laughs> awards. Now, it's people, uh, when you have your uh, awards come out, and again, they're coming out the 29th of November, right? So I made sure I got that date right this time. Um, you do make an election early on as to whether you want uh, a cash award, time off awards, uh, you know, that, that you make that election early on in the process. However, sadly, it's a big program and sometimes errors do happen. So Duncan, talk about what uh, people can do if they find that perhaps their election wasn't followed. Yeah, it's just one of those things that as with anything else with a big program, you're going to have either you know flaws in the system i mean everybody could have put the information in correctly and it's still you know something happened a gremlin in the machine happened or human error somebody inputted incorrectly if you wanted time off and it came out all cash you know you can ask for that election to be changed and by changing that election um what you have to do is if if they if you ask for time off 
and it was, you know, you were given all cash. You let your manager know. Your manager gets to the awards coordinator um, for your particular area, and then they um, have to work it. What happens with this is the fact that what we've heard is that they're, you know, they're taking all this information now, even though the awards aren't out, and they're not going to be able to do anything for people who have cash awards that wanted time off. They're not even going to be able to start doing anything until after December 1st. And then once they do that, it takes some time as anybody who's ever had to wait for a correction with our setter system. um, It takes some time to get those fixed. So what will happen is, is if you, and again, this usually happens with the people who elected time off, didn't get the time off and they wanted, um, they get the money instead. That can be fixed. You will get the time off eventually. That's the key word, eventually. And in the meantime, don't spend that award money because you're going to be getting a debt collection letter from the IRS basically asking for that to be paid back. But it could be a couple of months down the road, could even be, you know, potentially March before you see that debt collection letter. So, you know, one of the things our uh, former vice president, Susan Wright, you know, I thought this was always an eloquent solution, and I, you know, recommend people talking to their managers about this to see if it's possible. She would always ask for time off because Susan, you know, as you and I both know, Susan enjoyed her time off. And what would happen is, is she would get the, um, she would get cash instead of the time off. So instead of waiting to go through all the rigmarole and trying to get it corrected and waiting, you know, doing a correction with setter and all that. She would ask the manager for, you know, like 40 hours of leave without pay because that's an elegant solution that would she wouldn't have to repay any money. She's already been paid for that and yet still able to take that time off. So in you know some divisions that may be possible, some not. That was a few years ago. Susan's been gone a few years, so that may not still be able to be done. But I always thought that was a really good solution to try and short-circuit an issue. Yeah, and Susan is still our uh, national vice president on the national board, still represents our geographical area. So she's still, even though retired, still involved with NTEU. Let me move on. uh, Before I do this, I want to just mention something very quickly. Uh, We've had uh, Jim Bailey, our national executive vice president, right below our national president, Tony Ridden. He's been on our podcast a couple of times. He's retiring at the end of the year. We just received some news and who will be succeeding him. You might want to mention that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Losing Jim Bailey as our national vice president. I've known Jim for um, close to 20 years. He's an invaluable resource. He will be very much missed. Uh, I hate to say nice things about him where he potentially can hear him, but that's the way it goes. Um, But our, a, uh, another guest that we've had on the podcast the uh, assistant to the national president, Doreen Greenwald, uh, ran to replace Jim and was overwhelmingly elected to that. Um, so she will be taking over as national uh, vice president. And I have known Doreen for 20 years, the former president of Chapter One in Wisconsin, um, an outstanding advocate for NTU, for federal employees. Um, she will be a, she has been a great asset 
to Tony Reardon, and I think she'll continue to absolutely be that same asset to him, to the chapter leaders, and to the members as a whole. So I, I think that this is about as good a solution as we're going to get with having Doreen place, uh, replace Jim. What I think is interesting is that each of them came from very different backgrounds. Jim Bailey, an attorney who ran a field office for NTEU for years, came from the staff level to become executive vice president. And Doreen Greenwald, uh, from uh, the chapter president ranks, you know, she was, I think, in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She was the chapter president there. For those who maybe want to know a little NTEU history, the chapter in Wisconsin is Chapter 1 because that's where what we know as NTEU today began with some people literally meeting in their living room and trying to form a union for IRS employees. So uh, Doreen comes from a very different background, and I think each of them uh, bring important uh, skills uh, to that job right underneath the national president. Absolutely, and they both had uh, done various things during their careers that has made them very well-rounded, and that's the thing that I really like. You know, Doreen's not just a chapter president. She's been involved in a whole wealth of things, especially since she's been assistant to Tony. So in, in dealing with a wide span of our agencies that we represent, not just IRS. So I think, you know, it'll be great for not just IRS, but great for CBP, great for Health and Human Services, Department of Energy, SEC, FDIC. I mean, I can go on and on. Um, she's just, the lady knows her stuff. She's well-rounded and she's she's a fighter for employees' rights. Always, always has been. Let me move on to another subject. Uh, something has been uh, receiving a lot of attention uh, President Biden has announced what he calls his uh, management agenda for the federal government, for the federal workforce, management of, uh, of of federal agencies and so forth. You know, I was a part of the very first wave of this sort of thing where management and union were trying to work together during the Clinton administration. I was heavily involved in all the partnership activities that went on there, and I think we had some successes and to be honest, some failures in those efforts. And then we saw it come back uh, again during the uh, Obama administration in a little different form. Uh, now that we're uh, Joe Biden, the president of the United States now, has had a background of, of dealing with uh, federal employees in a positive way, he's now come out with this management agenda. It appears the pendulum is moving back to um, agencies working with the unions. What what do should NTEU uh, members and, and employees of the federal workforce take away from this new management agenda? I, I think it's a great thing. It's truly making sure that the employees have a voice. You know, as you as you so aptly put it, the pendulum swings both ways. And, it, you know, it, does it ever stay in the middle? Very rarely. But I think this is actually more towards the middle because, you know, the president of the United States believes that the working people, the employees doing the job, the frontline employees need to have a voice in their workforce and how it's done and things of that nature. And there are certain uh, leaders in the IRS who absolutely believe that as well. Um, sometimes I don't think they're near enough of them, but there, there, there are plenty of good ones that do believe that. And I'm hopeful that with the president's agenda, that, they do look at this 
and start making some changes to involve, um, you know, get the voice of federal employees more involved with NTU being the, you know, the voice of the representative of the employees to be able to get more input. That's the thing. It's, it, you know, people, some management officials, will you just want to co-run this with us? Oh, God, no. No, you, you can run the train wreck fine all by yourself. We, we want to just try and make suggestions to try and help you keep the train on the tracks and possibly make it run better. And that's, that's the thing that employees have so many great ideas and suggestions uh, about how the service can run smoother, be more effective, be better for taxpayers. And so often I just see executives just ignore them just because it's like, well, it came from employees. Well, hopefully with this president's management agenda, the PMA, that the pendulum will start swinging back a little bit and this will be given some more weight as it should. There's something else that the Biden administration is behind and has actually passed the House of Representatives, something called the Build Back Better proposal. Now, the, the infrastructure bill, the roads, bridges, Internet, and that kind of thing, that's passed, that's been signed into law, and that's being implemented as we speak. We're talking about a second piece of legislation called Build Back Better. It's passed the House, goes to the Senate, and we know that something will happen to it in the Senate. There will be some changes we would expect. But in the uh, legislation that was passed in the House, uh, $80 billion of additional funding for IRS to bring it back, to, to at least make an effort to bring it back up to where it needs to be, our, our agency, where we, where I am retired and you still work, uh, could come back to some kind of funding level that will allow the service to do the work that it's expected to do, particularly when it comes to high-income audits, which have all studies of recent years have shown the, the service isn't doing much of that because there's, there's just not much staff to do it. And when people do audits, they go in quickly, come out, and that's really not the best way to do it. But with the resources available, that's all the service can, can reasonably expect to do. So that $80 billion is is a very big number over a number of years. Uh, it would It is projected that would produce $400 billion in revenue to partially pay for this Build Back Better, which has a lot of what's called uh, human infrastructure, a lot of provisions that will impact like child care and additional child credits for people with young children. There's a whole list of things that uh, are allowed in this this, this bill that would, that would uh, would apply to a number of people uh, in different ways. So uh, I think it's important that um, our members and, and people who work for the IRS know that we have a lot at stake in this Bill Back Better bill. Absolutely. There are um, so many studies that have shown that, you know, depending upon the number in the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, is using the 400 billion. If you give the IRS 80 billion over those number of years, you'd get a return of 400 billion. I personally think that's low. The administration thinks that's low. NTU National thinks that's low because we've proven that if you give us funding, we will be able to do the work. It's going to take, you know, you can't start from, go from zero to 60 in 10 feet. But you give us the funding that so we can train, get more, get more staff, properly train them, let them go. You know, you're talking about going out and doing the audits. I can't tell you the number of uh, revenue agents and LBNI and SBSE 
that I've talked to over the years that are just so frustrated that want to do a great job, that want to do an in-depth job, but they just can't because of the constraints they're placed under by having to hit more. You know, we need to have people that are going out and collecting these uh, funds that are out there, the revenue officers. We need to make sure that they get the proper training, uh, that they get the tools so they can identify you know, how they can go out and get these folks and uh, to get the money that's paid to the government and be fair to the taxpayers. We need more people in our uh, in our tax, our walk-in offices, and as well as on the phones. And the funding in the Build Back Better bill would absolutely um, help get the agency, like you said, back to not, you know, not to be big and huge, but start to get it back up towards where it was perhaps 20 years ago with staffing. So we would urge everybody to, you know, let your representatives, let your senators know, you know, how you feel about that on your own time, not on government equipment, uh, by going to NTU.org. And you can do this very, very simply you know, they have the letters set up. You can go in, just takes a few moments, literally a few moments, and you can let your uh, representatives know how you feel about this, that you do think it's a good idea. And, you know, we can start getting some proper funding. Duncan, we are recording this on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, November 23rd. And so I think this is a time of year we always try to give thanks. I have a very low bar for giving thanks. I'm just thankful to be here. I have had two pretty serious health scares over just about a year's time. And the fact that I am healthy and recovered and feeling well and still around, uh, thats I'm extremely thankful for that. Always thankful for my friends and relatives, people such as yourself that I've known for years and the many friendships I made uh, working with NTEU and working for the IRS. I still stay in contact with a number of them. Uh, so I, I'm just thankful for the, the small things in life. I think we tend to forget those uh, too often. I try not to do that, particularly at this time of year. So, Duncan, uh, some Thanksgiving thoughts. Yeah, I, I absolutely echo your thoughts. I'm thankful, you know, like I said, thankful to be here. I'm thankful for the family and friends that I have. I count you among those. Um, I'm thankful to be able to represent, and I truly mean this, I'm thankful to be able to represent the great folks here, not just in the state of Indiana, but when I'm you know, just doing a national negotiation, things of that nature. Um, thankful to be able to try and help make things better. That's what I'm all about is how can we make things better? And I'm thankful that I have that opportunity because the folks who do the work are just, are just freaking awesome. And this pandemic has really shown that that they are just working under extremely difficult circumstances, to put it mildly, and do such a great job. And I'm just thankful to be associated with them, to represent them, and to try and help them and try and help make their work life better. Yes, and I, I think the key word we can all be thankful for amongst the workforce at the IRS, I think the word resilience is the one that comes to mind for me. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great word for it because, you know, it, 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 for folks who are not in the IRS, you know, we like to say if, you know, if you don't like something around the IRS, it's like weather in Indiana. You don't like the weather in Indiana, wait 15 minutes, it'll change. You don't like the way something's done at IRS, 
wait 15 minutes. They'll come up with a totally different way of doing it. And, you know, the IRS employees have to adapt quickly and, you know, know their stuff and be ready for just about anything. And then you throw in a pandemic on top of this and the way that everybody has reacted and gone. Um, so you've got that. The uh, folks that we have working for us at NTU National, between the field staffs, legislation, negotiations, the litigation, the, uh, the headquarters folks, our national officers. I mean, they just all do a fantastic job. And I'm just, there's a lot to be thankful for, like you say, in the little things in life. Well, sometimes it takes 15 minutes to get a change, and sometimes it takes 15 years. But you have yep. to you have to be yep. resilient in that. Duncan Giles, thank you so much. Duncan and I will be back next week if all goes well. And we want to thank you for joining us on the Chapter 49 podcast. I would encourage you to follow or like our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook and search under NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana, and we'll give you updates there. So once again, we appreciate you being here. We thank you very much for being who you are. Please be safe and be kind. Be kind.